There's a song that is written and recorded by Gordon Lightfoot called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You heard that song? And if you have, it sticks in your head because it's the same tune, this... Uh, and it does that for six and a half minutes as it tells the story of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And the Edmund Fitzgerald is the largest ship ever to go down in the Great Lakes. It sunk in Lake Superior in 1975. And the story, the song tells the story where it's a normal uh, route fully loaded to Cleveland, 26,000 tons of iron ore, but there was a November storm that came up. And you can see the building crisis as the lyrics say, you know, the, the cook tells the men, fellas, it's too rough to feed you. And then by 7 p.m. he says, fellas, it's been good to know you. And they're realizing they're going down with this ship. And this ship sank with the whole crew, all 29 on the boat, sank in the cold waters of Lake Superior. And one of the penetrating questions asked in the song is, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn minutes to hours? What a question, huh? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the ship starts going down? And we can ask it in our context today. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when 474 civilians are killed and 861 more are injured? Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the officer orders an airstrike and hospitals are hit and families are torn apart because of a war they don't understand? Well, the answer is yes. There's an answer to that question. We know where the love of God goes. It didn't go anywhere. The love of God is right there in the worst of situations. People ask it rhetorically as if God's love has failed because this thing is happening, but we know from Scripture and from God's faithfulness to us that God's love is intensely focused on the worst of situations, pouring out love even in tragedy. So that's where the love of God is, right there in the sinking ship, right there in war, right there in the struggles you're facing at home. So we're going to think about Ukraine this morning because they're struggling. It's a hard situation when you turn on the news, you look at things, it's just war is such an ugly, ugly thing. But it applies to all of us in what whatever we're facing, we're going to look at Scripture at five basic reminders of ways God loves in hard times. So this is not some nuanced, fancy theology, what I'm going to share. These are things you probably heard about as a kindergartner if you grew up as a Christian. These are basic, basic things, but you know what? They're true, and they're true in hard times. So what you hear this morning is going to be a reminder, but what I believe, here's what preachers think about sometimes. This is what a preacher thinks about. Thinks all these people came this morning to worship, and they came from different situations, and God has a word for each one of your situations. That's a humbling thought. 
And God has a word in your struggle today, and as you have sympathy and prayer for those struggling in more intense, dramatic ways over in Ukraine. So let's pray as we begin. Lord, we have many testimony that life is hard. And I pray as we look at these just five basic ways that you pour out your love in hard times, we'd be encouraged, we'd just anchor solid in you. And I pray that these truths would be felt across the ocean and bomb shelters and refugee camps and hurting families. These things don't fail. So we claim them today and we remind ourselves of your love in these situations. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start with with a big caution. And my caution is that we don't take away all the pain by sprinkling a few Bible verses on it. That's not what I'm trying to do today is, hey, there's a war and people are dying and it's all okay. Well, it's going to be okay. It still hurts. So we don't do away with all that because faith is hard and it's messy. But what I intend to do is not make little of the, tra- the tragedy, but to make much of God. And that is what we can, we can hold on to. God is still so far, his goodness is so far higher than the badness, than the badness. The bad stuff is bad. We can make much of God without making small of the pain and the struggles. But the first way, I'm going to give five ways. God is loving Ukraine, and he's loving you as an overcomer right now. Which means things might not turn out super well on this earth for you. But we have an overcomer. There's a podcast I put out each Sunday morning, and I just recently went through, going through the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and put out a podcast called, uh, what is it called? What Takes the Scariness Out of the Scariest Things? And it was reflecting on the message to the church in Smyrna, so you can find like five minutes on that. But just a few things that I put in the description there, because the message to the church in Smyrna is a scary message, and God says, do not fear. And here are the thoughts I had there is, have you ever noticed that the Bible can say the scariest of things and then tell us to not be afraid of them? What's God doing with that? Well, there are good reasons why we don't need to fear the scariest of things. And here's three of them. We don't have to fear death when the one who is telling us to not be afraid has conquered the grave. We don't have to fear death when the promise, we have the promise that the second death will not hurt us. We don't have to fear death when we have the promise that on the other side we receive the crown of life. The message God gives us is not one that says everything's going to be perfect, but I'm going to love you as your overcomer right now in the hardest of situations. There was an email that came across my inbox, and you could tell it had been mass uh, distributed and eventually made its way to me. And the email was a good thick paragraph of a plea with tears to pray for the situation in Ukraine. It was from a Ukrainian, Ukrainian Adventist woman. And then at the bottom, she had a praise, and it came from Pastor Igor, and he is a pastor just out, uh, um, nope, that's the wrong one. This is from the Hope Channel. So I'll get to Pastor Igor in a minute here. 
But the Hope Channel, you can go watch this, is like a three-minute video. And this is from the director of the Hope Channel, and he's writing, he's, he's speaking about the situation there, and he says, we know Jesus is coming back, and we know as Adventists that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And then he says this, but it's always scary when you wake up to explosions and realize that these are not just rumors, but real war. <laughs> rumors are okay, but real war is a different thing. And he says, nevertheless, we have hope. We have God's promises. It's pretty easy for me to say that, but here's a man ministering to over 700 Adventist churches in the country saying, we have hope. I see it. He is an overcomer. Maybe not in this life, but we have hope in something bigger and more enduring. So we'll get to Pastor Igor in a minute. I thought I had that up there. But this is what it says in Revelation chapter 2. Notice how discouraging it begins. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That doesn't sound good. And, they, and you may be tested and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and you will, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Some of the results of the way God is loving you right now, they're going to be seen on resurrection morning. We don't feel the love because bad things happen. You're going to see that love right now when life is made new. This is the promise he gives us in John 16. He says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I put a ton of scriptures up. I'm going to skip some of them today, but uh, PastorRyanRogers.com, there's a, a sermon blog, and there's a lot of statistics and video links and um, anything I halfway mention up here is detailed there, so you can find that stuff there. But this is a few more verses. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Can you imagine a Ukrainian family saying that right now? These present sufferings, they're terrible, and they're not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. See, that's the way God is loving us, is that even in suffering, there's something that is so far greater, it's not even worth comparing our troubles to. And late, uh, later on here in Revelation, we have, you know, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So God is loving, suffering people, and he's loving you right now, and one of the ways he's doing that is by being an overcomer on an eternal scale. Do you trust him to love you that way? Can you experience his love and faith that he's an overcomer and that this earth is not our home? And another way that he loves us is as a companion. So I saw this picture, and this is a Ukrainian bomb shelter, and there's shelves 
and they stack the kids on the shelves because they want to make more space. And they don't know what is going on up above in what used to be their normal life. They don't know if that's still there, but they're in this space. And you ask, does anyone know where the love of God goes? I think the love of God is, is in that bomb shelter. Like, it's on that shelf with every single kid. The love of God is not failed just because they're there. The love of God is present right there. I'm going to show a picture, and this does not prove a theological point, but I found it interesting. So I began following this Russian-Ukraine crisis a little bit late, and I thought, man, I looked up on the map, and I thought, Russia is huge. I don't even know what Russia looks like. So I decided to do Google Maps and just find the roads and do the street view. Have you ever done that? And I, so I chose, I didn't want to spend all day, so I th said, I'm just going to indulge myself in maps for a few minutes. So I limited myself to five places. So I chose five places across Russia and dropped in on a street view. And the third one I dropped in on had a picture. It's kind of bright. Can you see that picture? And I thought it looked kind of like a Jesus picture. So then I looked up uh, Ukrainian or Russian Orthodox icons of Jesus and saw that the thing I saw, like I dropped in randomly on Russia, and the third spot I see is a graffiti of Jesus on the side of a wall. There's a lot of spaces you could drop in on Russia. And what I, saw, what I thought when I saw that is, maybe we don't all act like Jesus, but the presence of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, it's been spread throughout this whole world. Even in what we might think of right now is, is a very dark place. Christ is present there too. And there's people suffering there, and Christ hasn't left them. He is a companion in our suffering. So one of the ways he loves you is by never, ever leaving you through it. And we have that promise right in the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. He says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That is a way that Christ is loving you right now sitting with you in the pain, journeying with you in the uncertainty. He's present. He's a companion. This is what it says in Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Christ is a companion, he brings all that he is, all the fruits of the Spirit, all the power, and he journeys with us in the pain. And he's not just present, oh, I'm going to skip a few of these. He's not just present in a, um, like a, a spiritual, distant way. He joins us right in our emotions. So this is the story of Lazarus, and you know that he shows up to Lazarus' tomb, and you know the end, he, he actually calls him out of the grave. But before he does that, he sees people crying, and then that short verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus 
was weeping even though he was just about to call him from the grave. Why didn't he just call him from the grave and avoid the weeping? Well, it's because the heart of God is a companion with us that's emotionally present. He's emotionally journeying with us. So when he saw the pain, he felt the pain. He's with us in that. Even though he knew the end, he still felt what they were feeling and mourned with them. I love that picture of the love of God. He knows that every believer who falls in the current war will rise on Resurrection Day, but he still weeps with those who weep. He's emotionally present in his love for you. And we see that also in Hebrews 4 when we're reminded that we don't have a high priest who's not able to sympathize with us. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. He knows exactly what we feel. So where does the love of God go in hard times? He is the most emotionally in-tuned friend you've ever had. He's present with you in every logical and illogical emotion you might experience. He's right there with you. That's a good God. That's a good way to express love. He's present and loving us as a companion, and he's a companion right now for everyone hurting across the ocean. He loves us as a defender. And this is where I'll share that email from Pastor Igor. So I was sharing earlier that I got this email of prayer request, and at the end it had this praise. And the praise is from a pastor in Lviv, Ukraine. And it says, Please tell your people, because of their prayers, God really fights our battles. So they're asking us to pray, and then they're, they're writing back saying, Your prayers are working. God fights our battles. The rockets disappear in the air without reaching our homes. And no one knows where they go. Enemy tanks run out of fuel. Russian troops get lost and ask our locals for food and for directions. That is definitely God. Because we are dealing with the second strongest army in the world. This is what Pastor Igor says. Is he says, there's terrible things happening, but I can list at least three thing, miracles that I've seen that shows that God is still fighting our battles. Isn't that good news? So we know right now that this is, you know, the prince of the ruler of the air. The prince of this world has some authority here, and we are not in heaven yet. There's bad things happening, but even still, even though that this is not what God has promised, there's a future eternity of perfection he's promised, even here, God is defending his people. So when we don't see him defend his people, we ask, where was God? But if we could see behind the scenes in the spiritual forces, imagine all the times he did prevent evil from happening, and we just never knew it. And he was there. I don't understand why some things go past him and he allows it, and some things don't, but I know that there's more things that the love of God stops and says, no, Satan, you can't do that. And he's done that in Ukraine, and he's doing it in your life right now. There are things you can't handle. And God puts up his hand and says, no, I'm going to defend my child. And then he only lets through what he knows you can bear and what you can get through. That is a good God. He's loving you right now. Even if bad things are happening, he's loving you as your defender. He's a fortress. And only the things he allows to get through, get through. And he's doing that in miraculous ways in Ukraine right now. Bombs and missiles disappear in the sky before they hit our homes. 
People are running out of fuel. God is our defender. Reminded of just a few verses. I remember memorizing this one in sixth grade at an Adventist school. And it talks about God creating us and forming us. And and it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. God loves us as a defender. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and buckler and rise for my help. So many verses of God defending us. And God loves us as our comforter, like the children's story focused on. God pours out his love by giving supernatural comfort right now in Ukraine. There's comfort that they can't explain, but it's God unleashing his love on hearts that really, really need it. So God loves us as a comforter. Sometimes he does that through us. I just want to highlight a big way that I've seen God giving comfort is through ADRA. So ADRA has temporarily paused every other ongoing mission to focus global relief effort on the crisis in Ukraine. And I, there's a website that, that was sent to me, and they asked that it not be public, so, but they said we could share the reports. So I have some reports that I think are amazing of the things they're doing. There's some videos you can find. Go to ADRA International on YouTube and watch some of those videos of what they're doing. They have uh, food and clothing and all kinds of relief for the refugees. And in that report that's really small on the screen, I'll just highlight a few things. You can also find it on that blog. And ADRA, in Ukraine right now, they're providing cash assistance to low-income households. They're arranging safe transportation to vulnerable people and providing vital supplies and shelter and churches. But then they're recognizing that Ukraine's not the only place that needs help because there's about... Two million people who've left there into neighboring countries. So ADRA is set up in Poland, and they're, they're organizing welcome packages for those who arrive there. They're working with local churches as places to stay, and working with professionals for counseling and encouragement. They're set up in Romania doing very similar things, Slovakia and Hungary, and they're working in all these countries right now. Like, they're not drilling wells right now. Every effort of ADRA is going to help these people in crisis. And so there's ways we can give. There's ways that God is giving comfort through them and through us. So ADRA has um, a public page. So just go to adra.org slash home slash newsroom, and they share what they're doing. There's opportunities to look at some of the footage right from the, the volunteers there. Go to their YouTube channel. And you can give, so this is set up, just go to address homepage, and the first thing you'll see is a big give thing, right? Right on the center, you can give to what Adra's doing. You can also give through just the general conference. If you look, if you go to our church website and you click on give, it'll take you to our online giving um, page, and it now has a line for Ukraine. So there's opportunities for us to extend the love of God through supporting Adra and through supporting these relief efforts here. And you can also pray. This is a prayer board, and there's so many of these you'll find online. You can pray without the internet. Did you know that? You can pray anywhere, anytime. But if you want to join a global community in prayer, there's a prayer board, the address set up. There's also um, this one that was sent out, uh, United Call to Prayer. And every, so this is 
9 a.m. Eastern time. So what would that be? 5 a.m. Alaska time. So Facebook has an online prayer time. Then there's a 24-7 prayer room hosted by United Prayer. And I put all these links on, on the website. There's so many ways you can join with others in extending the love of God through comforting others. And I just love that there's people right now who are giving a hug to somebody who, who just lost everything. I can't be there, but they are. And they're supporting these people, and God is loving them through comfort. This is what it says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Psalm 23, I'm sure you've heard this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is loving people through comfort right now, all over Scripture. And God is loving us as our Redeemer. So the first way we think of Redeemer is what we, was read to us in John 3.16, that you believe in him, you shall not perish, but you shall receive everlasting life. But God is also loving us as our Redeemer now. He's not just waiting until the resurrection to turn bad into good. He's actually, in a partial way, twisting around the evil and using it for good. We see that at the end of the story of Joseph. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And he's doing that even with war. He's redeeming the evil things that are happening and using them in a supernatural way to actually bring about good. You realize that God loves you by twisting the evil for good? Like, the thing you lost or the thing you're mourning can actually end up being a way that God shows his love for you. And some of those ways that are hopefully happening, once again, remember that caution I started with? We're not minimizing the struggle, we're just making much of God. Some of the ways that God is loving as a redeemer is that there's somebody in Ukraine right now that is growing in their faith. This is what it says in James, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. War is not good, but God has an amazing divine way of using evil and bringing about good things, like growing in our faith. Another way is that there's somebody who loves the world a whole lot less than they used to. They have way less attaching them to material things, and this is what it says in 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then skipping a few uh, phrases, and the world is passing away, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I hope that that loss of love for the world is something that happens every time you see another news headline, and it's an explosion picture. Like, this isn't our home. And it, though it's evil, it's another thing to remind us, I don't want to attach myself to this stuff. Another way that God is redeeming a bad situation is that he uses our struggle to help others. So 2 Corinthians says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. And then this, this is the part where we get to be a blessing. So that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Not good stuff happening, but God can use our troubles and our comfort received to him from him to turn around and comfort somebody else. So, does anyone know where the love of God goes? Man, it is intensely, actively, right this moment, being poured out on every hurting heart. That includes Ukraine. That includes Russia. When God said that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, you realize that included Ukraine. That included Russia. That extended down to 2022. That is present in the plane of the young man who drops the bomb. And that love is present in the family that's destroyed because of it. When he said he so loved the world, he meant, I so love the hurting in Ukraine. I so love the hurting in Palmer. God's love is intensely, actively being poured out. And you know, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. Those things don't change. Those things are anchors, and they're true, and I told you they're basic. But as we close the service, there's going to be some music. There's going to be a benediction. Just make it a prayerful time to receive God's love and pray for God's love for others in, in maybe some way worse situations than we are right now to receive God's love in these ways.